back, humor consumers, to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm comedian Tracy DeGraff. And I'm Catherine, co-host and bestie. Welcome to the Pod Lab, co-host and bestie. Yeah, glad to be here. Super duper. I here. walked down today. It was beautiful. Oh, isn't that great? You're yeah, your fresh air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always a step challenge. There's always somebody challenging the steps. Yeah, I'm not officially involved in one, but I'm just challenging myself. Keep moving. Good for you. Yep. Good for you. Well, it's a beautiful fall day, and um, you know, I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but I hope you're enjoying your day and putting one foot in front of the other. We just did a little prayer ahead of this uh, recording, talking about that very thing of how we're just two broke girls trying to put one <laughs> foot in front of the other, <laughs> just <laughs> screwing it up and failing forward. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of failing forward, today's mm-hmm. episode is on the topic of not quitting. Yep. Keep going. Yeah. Persevering. Yeah. So we're titling this one, When You Feel Like Quitting, dot, dot, dot. dot. <laughs> and I think we've all been there. I know I have. Oh, yeah. I know you have. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that. We're going to discuss, here are the takeaways. If you hang in there with us for the next 40 minutes or so, or whatever it takes us to spit all this out, mm-hmm. uh, one takeaway you're going to have is when and why we wanted to quit and how we persevered. Mm-hmm. So we both have stories. The second thing is 10 reasons why you shouldn't quit. Yes. Catherine's got something up her sleeve with that, right? That's I did. Yes, you. I do. Good. Because yes, I'm do. like, wait, I think I could give yeah, 100. Yeah, it's a Christian perspective on it. Nice. But it can pertain to, you know, anything. It does have a ministry, you know, it's bent toward that. But nice. That's okay. And then um, we're also going to talk about famous people who did not quit. Mm-hmm. People that we all know. Fascinating stories. Or heard of. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. All right. Uh, as always, snorted. what's that? I just snorted. I know. I heard that. <laughs> I was trying to cover it up, but you brought it out. So, mm. oh well. Mama's little piggy. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we always uh, share some scripture at the end of each podcast. Why? Why do we do that? Why did we structure this podcast that way? Well, because one, we always want to point to Jesus. That's the main reason. That's right. And we want to point others to Him. Yeah. Which is one and the same uh and we want to be an encouragement yes and we we want to have some answers and we don't have them but jesus does <laughs> so there you go so we can point you in the this right direction true. yep all right and then we always have a call to action as well so stay tuned for that mm-hmm. uh we have sponsors of the life happens laugh anyway podcast and we would like to thank them right now so Catherine, tell our listeners if somebody's listening for the first time tell mm-hmm. them about our sponsorship program well one can sponsor five dollars a month and it helps us move this um, forward. We have a, a platform that we use that we have to pay for every month. And as we just said, we want to inspire and encourage people. So that's why we need the sponsors. And we have some. We have about 15, I yeah, think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And most of them do pay the $5 a month. Um, my husband is one of them. Mine too. Yours is too. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it's so exciting. It's so exciting to have 15 sponsors. It is. I mean, yeah. they believe in us enough to reach into their wallet for $5 a month and, and bring that support to us. So our, our, the platform that we use for sponsorship is Patreon. Mm-hmm. If you go to my website, tracydegraff.com, or you can also get there by going to comedythatsaves.com. And what, what's the text? Like text LOL to what's the number? 
833-333-7777. Okay. That'll get you signed up for my emails. Oh, and then you can get, you, you know, You'll get you there can, through the right. website. Yeah. There's so many ways now. It's, yeah, it's I know. just hard to. I can't to, even keep track. You know, okay, side note. I was trying to figure out how I talked to somebody, you know. What do you mean? Like, like, like a message. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we were just doing yeah. it earlier, trying yeah. to figure out how we get in touch with the coffee shop people. Yeah. But but this was yesterday. I was trying to figure out, now, how did I say this, like, message to this person? It was kind of an important thing. And I could not find. It wasn't text. Which communication? Was it email? Mm-hmm. Was it Facebook Messenger? We were doing that when we were in the car the one day, too. Oh, it's, I think we? a lot of people do that. Yeah. Because you can't remember yeah. how you talked right. to them. <laughs> anyway. That's true. Anyway, our Patreon uh, is on patreon.com too and it's just life happens laugh anyway so if you want to join that audience we're happy to have you so mm-hmm. welcome aboard all right well let's get to the to the show notes what or to the um outline what episode are we on i think 147 147 close so, to 150 so we should consistent do big for 150 yeah we should all right well um so when you feel like quitting dot 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 when and why we wanted to quit and how we persevered. Tell me, Catherine, about something that you wanted to quit, but you persevered. I wanted to quit in the middle of giving birth. Oh, you can't I quit there, no. Wanted you wanted to quit. quit. I was like, just do a cesarean, whatever. The just, baby's I, halfway out. <laughs> yeah. Well, not. Well, okay. Was yeah. it uh, yeah. the first time, second time, third time, all times? Every time. Oh. Especially the first. But Patrick was very, very difficult. And uh, yeah, I wanted to give up. I was like, chop my back off. It hurts. <laughs> she wanted labor. a backectomy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. But all joking aside, I mean, I really did want to quit. But I you believe can't. you. You can't. Yeah. But I want, okay, there was this one time in particular that stood out the most when I thought about this. When I was working for Panduit and I was working in customer service and I was pregnant with actually my first Patrick and I was being transferred I asked for the transfer from customer service which was it sounds I don't want to let's see it sounds like an easy thing mm-hmm. it was a very very complicated uh, position to have and I wanted to be transferred into accounts receivable and I can't remember why that department in particular I know that the posting came up but postings were coming up you know a lot but the main reason was it had flexibility and I knew with having a child I wanted some flex time but I was scared out of my like I was sick scared out of my mind because I hate math (laughs) and I hate numbers and we didn't have the technology then I think this was 94 95 no it it had to be uh, 95 anyway uh, it, but I was already going through the process and not only did I not want to disappoint myself, I didn't want to disappoint my supervisor who was upset that I was taking this transfer anyway, because mm-hmm. they, they spend six months training you, intense training in the customer service job. And I had such a fear of numbers that I just wanted to quit altogether <laughs> and just pack it in and be like that. I can't do it. But those were the reasons those were my whys i didn't Mm -hmm. want to disappoint myself i i didn't want to disappoint my my supervisor or anyone else really so i kept going and did i need the money yeah (laughs) so that was another reason so i just kept going and i loved the job i loved it it was 
um, not what I feared. And so it was rewarding in the end. It's so interesting to me when you say, I loved it. Mm -hmm. It's not what I feared. It, it turned out to be rewarding. Yeah. Because the thing that kind of pulled you through mm -hmm. was the not wanting to disappoint, you mm -hmm. know, not wanting to give up on yourself or disappoint your supervisor or whatever. And the money, right? Because that's uh, a practical money. part of life. We all need money. Yeah. Go to the grocery store. They expect you to pay. Um, but then the rewards on the other side of it, like you, you even got a little bit animated with your facial expression when you said it was rewarding and I liked it. And mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it was rewarding in the fact that I, I, I learned like kind of like a craft that I never thought that I would be capable of doing. You mean math? Math <laughs> was a craft to me. The math craft. We're going to be crafting today, ladies. Get out your calculators. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I hated math so much that when it came time to playing <laughs> games, I did not want to be the scorekeeper because I froze up. I'm the I mean, same way. Oh, my gosh. I remember the first time I was a cashier. Yeah. And, you know, you had to, if somebody gave you. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. You had to count Extra, back the change. You had to count back the change. And <laughs> just, I just froze. It was so bad. Okay. Side note. Yeah. I do not like it when people of our generation criticize the youth for not being able to, to count back change. Hello. I do not like it because I'm like, give that poor kid a break. They don't know. I'll tell you what. I can spell <laughs> like nobody else. I know my grammar. I know when to use there, there, there properly and two, two and two properly. I know all that stuff, but I cannot do math. Well, you're good at other things. <clears throat> That's right. And speaking of, I wanted to quit math when I was in high school. Oh, wow. In fact, I did. But but I said to my parents, I want to, to quit this class because I got put into an advanced class because I cheated <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the SAT or whatever it was. <laughs> sorry. It's so I cheated off of my very smart friend. Way to go, Catherine. Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm in like advanced <laughs> algebra. And so... Anyway, I said to my parents, I'm like, please let me quit this class, but I'll stay in it. I'll sit in it. I'll do the work. Oh, my gosh. And I did. I sat through that stupid class. <laughs> and Cheaters never prosper, Catherine. But guess what? I didn't have failure or fail on my report card because I didn't, you know, I did all the work. I was so bad, though, I took it again in summer school. <laughs> and it was my prerogative. Like I said, I need to be in summer school. I Might took it again. And I had a tutor. Wow. That I insisted my parents get me. You know, in some respects, <sighs> and I see, I can so relate to that because Ugh. math was not my strong suit at all. Mm. Has never been. In fact, I marvel at people who can do math in their heads. No, like my husband and oh, and our son Kent. Adam. Mm -hmm. he, the two of them, they can calculate something in a in a nanosecond, <laughs> like a computer. Yes, and I just go, what? <laughs> oh my gosh! I had this boss. I was in. Um, he asked me to work for him, and it was in. Um, uh, reservations for corporate and like, oh, what was my title? Reservation specialist, whatever. Okay. And he would forecast the, and he wanted me to forecast the, you know, future. Um, it's partly cloudy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might be a rainbow. And he would look at the columns of numbers on the computer screen and he would just go, and, and he had a number. And I was like, <laughs> to me, they were like crossing and like, <laughs> 
you know, my eyes were crossed. I get it. I hate it. I okay. get it. That's part of what motivated me to study journalism and writing because I loved to write. I loved yeah. creativity and writing. Yeah. And I did not have to take math in college. I had to take one stats class. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Uh, that, that, was it. that held me back big time. I mean, yeah. ugh, it was horrible. Okay, another time that I really wanted to quit when things got overwhelming, when we lived on Oak River Drive. Mm. Like, I just felt overwhelmed with, um, well, our just a lot of things. And, and one of them was the house was big. Our taxes just kept going up. And I'm like, I just... I just want to quit this all. Of course, I wasn't thinking about anything, you know, morbid or anything like that. But it was so overwhelming. And yeah, yeah real downer. I think, thinking it, about it. you know what, though? I think you can also apply that to anybody's situation. When you feel totally overwhelmed, mm-hmm. you want to get out of that feeling. Yeah. And so quit yeah. it, quitting can be, you know, right, very attractive. But we did not quit. We... Um, you know, we just kept plugging away. And then eventually we, uh, after really after prayer, and as you know, we decided, okay, we'll just, we'll sell the house, but that's not quitting. That's just coming to it's just moving a, on. different yeah, chapter. Right. Exactly. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, the other thing I wanted to point out with this episode, we're not saying that you should stay with something that's really not working. Right. Like, there's no shame. I mean, we did that one episode about how many jobs we've had. Yeah. And between the two of us, we've had yeah. dozens and dozens and dozens of jobs. Yeah. So there's no shame in that. Yeah. But what we are encouraging, and you'll you'll you know hear at the end, is just, you know, to just follow something. If it's really your dream and mm-hmm. you really want to do something, don't give up on it. Totally. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you can, you know, don't quit today. <laughs> Maybe yeah. quit on, on, at another time. Just don't do it right now. That, yeah. that could be it, too. Okay, yeah. so another time I wanted to quit, um, there were certain relationships that I've wanted to just quit, just let it go. Yeah. But the ones that are worth it, you, you don't you don't give up on. Yeah. You just keep going. And you think about how hard it is to have grace with yourself. Mm-hmm. And then think about... Um, it's easier to give grace to someone else, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say some relationships, you know, but, um, that's, yeah, I think everyone's been in that boat. Uh, and another thing I really wanted to quit was when we were working out with our young guy, oh, the yeah. man boy at LA fitness. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I wanted to quit. But it was rewarding. It paid off. I mean, you know, I've got some issues now in my elbow. <laughs> so. Just got a tennis elbow. <laughs> yeah. But um, I didn't give up. Neither did you. Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Very true. Is that it? Those are the ones that stick out the okay. most. Well, you made me think of one that I didn't previously think of. And that was when I was in junior high. I was running track. Oh. Oh. <laughs> track. I was too. I have one. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember why I signed up for track because I don't like running at all. I never I know, have. Right. And there, I was running the 440. Okay. So I don't know if it's like 440 yards, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Okay. It's many times around the track. Yeah. It feels like forever. Yep. And I was doing pretty good at the beginning of the race compared to the people I was racing against. Yeah. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. Uh huh. <laughs> until until we had to keep going. 
And I'm like, when does it end? <laughs> Wait a minute. And there was another one of my teammates yeah. was running on the sideline, yeah. cheering me on. Yeah. And I just didn't want to disappoint them. And I was like, I'm doing the best I can. So you kept going? I kept going. <gasps> awesome. You know about when I was in track, right? No. Tell me. I quit. Okay. I was like in a marathon where you passed the thing. And oh, I was like, no, no. It's a relay. A relay. You gave what on a relay? I did. And I regret it to this day. And I re- I can remember being like, I can't keep going. My mom's like, it's okay. Just quit. <laughs> well, if mom says it's okay, then okay. In quit. the middle of the race, you quit? Yeah. You yeah. walked off yes. the... <laughs> yes, I did. And it is a regret that I have, obviously. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so good for you for keep. You you just kept going. Yeah, I lost. As you do. I lost, but I finished. Yeah, but you kept going. Yeah, you finished. I did finish. I can't say that. I can't say that. Okay, if you're listening and you were one of the other three teammates on Catherine's Relay, <laughs> she's really sorry. It's still bothering her. Oh, my gosh. I remember the coach being so, like, I think he was probably appalled. He was probably shocked. How like, do you do that? <laughs> My parents were like that, though. They're like, well, if you don't want to do it, just don't do it. And I'm opposite of that, actually. Yeah. For real. Anyway. Oh, funny, funny. All right. So that was that was one junior high. Um, I definitely would say with comedy, because that was the main one that I was thinking. I have thought about quitting comedy so many times. Yeah. First of all, it wasn't even my idea to do it. Right. So I don't feel any ownership over <laughs> that, because I wouldn't have even thought of it. Yeah. It I, it was my idea to write a book. And yes. I wrote the book. Yes. And the book happens to be funny. Yes, right. And it was someone in publishing who said this is funny. You should put it on stage. And I paid that person for their opinion. So, so then I'm like I'm invested. Right. <laughs> and so I called up the Second City in Chicago mm. and I said you got a class and they said yes we do. You got money? I said well, I'll get you some. Mhm. And that's where I started back in 2010, Nine, I think. 10. Uh, somewhere in there yeah anyway that that's a long while ago here we are now at 2023 yeah and over the course of those 13 or 14 years whatever it was I it's so hard to do I wanted to quit so many times and you know from the outside one wouldn't know that because outwardly always (laughs) all we see is you persevering yeah and I know you I mean I, I know that you've said that many times that, oh, my gosh, I should just quit. But I don't think it's in you. Um, maybe not. I mean, this is the way I describe comedy. This is how it is for me. It may not be this way for everybody, but this is how it is for me. I get so nervous beforehand. Yeah. Incredibly nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm sick to my stomach. I cannot eat, which is very unusual for me. I can usually eat, you know. <laughs> I I think about everything I'm afraid I'm gonna forget everything I'm gonna my brain is gonna freeze nobody's gonna show up and all of these things have happened to me yeah they've all and, happened and look at how you handle it oh it's amazing to watch my goodness and then when you when you get on the stage here's what it's like it's like jumping out of an airplane mm-hmm. and you think you've got a parachute on you're pretty sure it's gonna open but you're not 100% sure but guess what you jump anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like for me to do stand-up comedy. Well, I could see why you want to quit. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, because it's yeah. you and a microphone yeah. and the audience. And the only, like, I've, I've described it like this, too. Like, with singing, like, let's say I was a singer, right? Mm-hmm. If I sing and it's really bad, mm-hmm. at the end, people clap. 
right? Because you're done. It's the polite society thing to do. Mm. You're not going to get booed off the stage. Mm. You're not going to get tomatoes thrown at you. You're not going to get heckled. Yeah. They're going to clap. Now, they may be clapping because they're glad that their ears don't hurt anymore. That could be it. Yeah. But with comedy... Comedy is so different because it's a it's like a conversation and you talk and then when you stop talking, the audience responds with laughter or silence. Yeah. And you you have to have control over either the rowdy crowd or the sleepy crowd. Oh, my. You have to take the reins and build it up or bring it down whatever you've got to have control and you do a good job at that I I did a gig not too long ago this was this just happened not too long ago and there was this older man in the audience and I can picture right where he was sitting he was to my left Mm -hmm. okay so he's sitting there and I kind of have an eye on everybody in the audience yeah and I can feel energy you Mm -hmm. know and of course I'm getting responses from everybody in this crowd you know and I'm getting the responses and he's just stoic you know, he's just looking at me. Yeah. And he's an older guy. Uh-huh. And we've talked about this, how mm-hmm. older people sometimes have that resting face. That they is do. Just and you flat. cannot tell because their face is sagging. <laughs> <laughs> Our faces are sagging. We're, yeah. we're in the group. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I, I see it as a personal challenge. Like I'm going to get some kind of a response out of him other than this flat, you know, nothing. Yeah. And I have one joke at the very end, mm. the boobs on the gas pedal joke. Yep. It's my closer. It's uh-huh. a big close. Yep. It, it bowls them over, you know, regardless if you've not gotten anything, you'll, I'll get them on this last one. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I did that joke and I got just a little. <laughs> <laughs> a little <laughs> from him <laughs> you you did it I but here's the thing I was like victory and that's really I think part of it is that is the the thread that pulls me through to the next gig mm-hmm. is the challenge yeah the because cha- it's it's easy when they're all with you and for you yeah yeah but where it's hard is when they're not your crowd they're not they're not already on board you got to get them on board so the challenge is something you kind of like. I also feel like like I've seen you when a really good show has just happened. Like I think it's intoxicating it is. for you. There's a huge high. Yeah. Those are, but that payoff, there's no guarantee that that payoff is going to be there. I know. There's no guarantee because there's yeah. so many elements that have to happen in order for the payoff to be there, right? Mm-hmm. So I've been in those situations where the room is, oh my goodness, you know, it's all bright lights and you're far away from the audience and the audio, nobody can hear you. Yeah. You know, or, or were they scattered hot. in the audience? That makes a difference too, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And during the pandemic, there I did shows Ugh. where everybody else was masked and I wasn't, or I was masked and they weren't. Oh, gosh. I mean, it was just. Uh, it, I've done shows. Oh my god. <laughs> to sailors <laughs> series. Oh my gosh. That time, <laughs> she's talking about when I first started. Gosh, this was probably. 2010, 2011. I was brand new. I had just finished my second city class. And I was out, you know, getting my act together. Mm-hmm. And I was working with a couple of other comics in Chicago. Great guys. They became great friends. They're much younger than me. Anyway, I, I was there and um, mm-hmm. somebody else was in charge of promoting this event. Well, guess what? Nobody came. Yeah. Four people came. Oh. You could have fit 200 people in this venue. Mm-hmm. Four people. I, I don't know. I would have quit right there. There were three comics. It's like the relay race all over again. <laughs> yeah. There were three comics on the on the bill. Oh, my gosh. And these four people each paid like $10, you know, <laughs> to come and see this amazing show. 
and by you themselves. paid your guy to tell you you should do this. <laughs> so that is well, one of your whys. I had no choice. I had to get up on that stage and do my act. Yeah. You know, and my act was about raising my five boys, right? Mm. Well, first thing I said to this group of four people was I fed more people breakfast this morning <laughs> than are here right now. <laughs> That's so that was witty and joke funny. number one. Yeah. And then the other funny thing about the four people that came is they were two uh, United States of America sailors. Mm. They were in the Navy and their dates, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Because they were all dressed oh, up in their little their little Cracker Jack suits. Right. <laughs> they had that going. <laughs> so yeah. I made fun of them a little bit. Yeah. And it, it was a memorable experience. My husband was there. And, oh, gosh. It was memorable. Uh, yeah. Well, you're gritty. And grit don't quit. I suppose. I, I remember back in, when did I uh, join Southwest? I think it was 2015. Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. so now we're in 2015. I've been at it for a few years, mm-hmm. and it's just not going great. Like, yeah. you know, there's no money. There's no yeah. money. Yeah, they, yeah. they all want to pay you with, oh, good job, or here's a couple of Diet Cokes, mm-hmm. or here's some a mint. basket of cookies. <laughs> yes. I've talked about this before about how I went and did the North Judson, Indiana Mint Festival. Yep. And they paid me in a a vial of true, pure Indiana mint. I know. I still have it. Gosh. Yeah. Anyway. uh, So so the money is tough. You got to have another job, Mm. you know, before you really start getting paid anything. So I took a job with Southwest Airlines, which it was in a way it was a way of running away from some yeah. issues at home. I mean, one of my kids was going through a really rough time. Teenage years were rough. Yeah. I'm I bet like, you wanted to quit that. Yeah, I can't quit. No, you can't quit. No. So you get a job. Get a distraction. <laughs> Give me a job. Get me out of here. Take a J-O-B. Well, so I, I took the job, and I remember the night that I was on duty. I was in the baggage service office yeah. at Midway Airport in Chicago, one of the busiest uh, stay-calm stations, uh, airport stations of, of Southwest. And um, in the baggage office, they have behind the scenes a whole room full of brand new uh, suitcases. Yeah. And they're, st- they're stacked up from floor to ceiling. Mm-hmm. And th- it's not a big room. It's kind of a small, narrow, yeah. narrow room. There's no window in there. Maybe that's why you're claustrophobic it now. It could be. Because you weren't before. It could be. It could be. Maybe. So they, they have an employee that has to go into that room. Mm. It's like the size of a big closet. Let's mm-hmm. let's call it that. Mm-hmm. You go into this big closet, floor to ceiling suitcases, and each suitcase has its own serial number right. that's labeled on there. Mm-hmm. And you're given a printout and you have to match up serial numbers. <laughs> there they are again, numbers <laughs> to, to the suitcase. And it takes hours to get through this, like, um, inventory. Yeah. And the reason that you have to do it is because somebody somewhere was stealing the suitcases. Mm -hmm. So they have to make sure that before every shift. Now, how they couldn't get a scanny thing to do that, I don't know. No kidding. How how is it that they couldn't just scan it and go, dee, 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 dee. Hello, it was 2015. Yeah, maybe they changed it by now. But I'm in this closet. I'm hot, for one thing. Uh Uh-oh. I'm 50 years old. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. I've got issues at home. I've mm-hmm. got issues, you know, with comedy. Nothing's really going popping right. Mm-hmm. And I'm in this closet sweating and I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. Because I could not remember my jokes. <laughs> and I texted Catherine from this closet at yeah. Midway Airport. I can't remember my jokes. <laughs> 
felt so bad when you did that. Oh, it was a low point. Yeah. It was a low point. But, you know, eventually I quit. I only lasted in that job for four months. I thought I would last a lot longer, but I did not. Mm-hmm. And part, part of it was I needed to be home to manage things at home. Yeah. As well as it was just too far from my house. There was there was a lot oh. of different issues. Right. But I did not quit. And I no. remembered my jokes. And it's a it's a part of your story and your growth with the comedy, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. That's that's I, I could talk for hours and hours, but I think I'm you I'm, think you're done there. I think that's pretty much it because, yeah. you know, you just keep going. Well, I, you didn't lose sight of your future. And I know you. I know that you're grateful of um, where you are right now. And even in even in the closet with the suitcases. Okay, let me let me add to that since you just you just reminded me of something. So after I quit at Southwest, mm-hmm. so I'm 50 years old and I quit. I actually had missed my mammogram because I yeah. couldn't get off work. I had mm-hmm. missed my mammogram, so then I scheduled my mammogram after mm-hmm. I had quit, and guess what? I had breast cancer. Yeah. And so then I was like, "Wow, it's a good thing that I didn't just let that mammogram go." Yeah. And that I quit. And I got my mammogram in. Yeah. Because what if it had progressed to a different stage? Because mine was diagnosed as stage one. Mm-hmm. And then, so I did have to put comedy on hold until I could get all fixed up. Like I had to have a lumpectomy and then I had to have um, some radiation therapy. Mm-hmm. But once I came back from all that, I started doing comedy events at hospitals and breast centers. Yeah. Just one at a yeah. time, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. And I have found... That I'm so passionate now about cancer screenings yeah. to remind people to get their screening. It's almost like, um, it's almost a little bit nauseating how passionate I am about it. But I guess somebody's got to be passionate about it. Uh, yeah. God is definitely using you. Well, I'm, I'm grateful that I had the cancer and that we caught it early. And the reason we caught it early was because of the screening. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm taking that message around the country. Right. Reminding people to get their screenings. And, you know, the pandemic then came in a couple of years after that. So that kind of put a kibosh on everything mm-hmm. for a few years. So I, I was sidelined again for a little period of time. But now we're coming back from the pandemic, even though I know it's, this is 2023. So it's, it's been a few years, but hospitals and breast centers would not have a comedy show during a pandemic. Right. They just, you know, that'd be the wrong, that'd be the wrong look. <laughs> True. <laughs> but again, you are able to enjoy where you are. Yeah and keep going and and you don't lose sight of that future that you see no and i think the fear of what if um that's one of the things i want to encourage anybody who's listening if you have something in front of you and you're like oh i'm afraid to go for that Mm -hmm. okay what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you if you don't yeah or if you do or if you don't what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you try and you don't get there okay you don't get there yeah but if you never try how are you going to know if you could get there yeah, I read an article when and um, <clears throat> doing the research for this, and it, it said that leaders and successful people they expect failure, and failure is part of the the growth. And we'll be talking about some famous people that failed over and over. You have to fail. Mm-hmm. You fail forward. Um, we had a business coach, Coach Alex, who <laughs> yes. who taught us. Um, yeah, he taught us in one of his classes. He said, "Failure is not failure; it's feedback." 
yeah, failure right. just yeah. gives you feedback right. of something that you I can do differently. Yeah. Like um, Thomas Edison is one of the people. I Yep, I okay. looked him up. Well, mm-hmm. he had like a thousand tries yes. to make a light bulb. Now, everybody yep. everybody experiences a light bulb every single day. Yes. Well, he. Tra- what if he gave up at try number 500? Right. Or, or two or whatever. Yeah. No, a yeah. thousand times. A thousand times. Yep. Yeah, so don't give up and just keep on, you know, keep on going. Michael Jordan, too. Yeah. He failed at many shots, lost many games when they were counting on him. But look at, everybody knows. I said Michael Jordan. Everybody knows immediately who he is. He was cut from his high school basketball team. Mm -hmm. He was not good enough for high school basketball. Yeah. That's so crazy. And did he quit? Did he say, no, I think I'm just going to go do, I don't know, play some video games or whatever. No. Yeah. He just got busy in the gym. Yeah. He worked on it. It, You know, when your passion drives you, that's, that's, it's your why that drives you. You know, why am I doing this? Bingo. That's, that's hitting it on the head. Mm. Finding a why. Because like I said, I don't think that everything should be, um, you like, don't go crazy and throw caution to the wind quit your job, sell your house, you know, and go live in a car. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard of entrepreneurs that have done that or different entertainers that have done that. And, you know, I guess that's one way to go. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't recommend that. No, actually, that's a big debate on Shark Tank. <laughs> no surprise. I'm going to talk about that because there are... Um, I don't know. I don't remember which ones, but a couple of them are like, yeah, if you really, really want this to happen, do that. And then others are like, no, you know, keep your day job. Anyway, it's a big debate. Yeah. I'm, everybody's got to figure out where, where they fall on that. But yeah. for me, I prefer a roof over my head mm-hmm. rather than, you know, just the car with sunroof. <laughs> no. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to um, 10 reasons why you shouldn't quit. Okay, so again, I'll I'll say again, this is kind of like a Christian perspective, and it could be for ministry, but it could also be for anything in life that has, especially if it has some kind of purpose um, and meaning to, to you. All right, one, don't quit because what you are doing now may be positively affecting a life, and you may not even be aware of it. Oh, that's I for thought sure. of you when I read that. You know, the reason why um, that does resonate with me is the same thing that you just referenced is that when I'm out there now Mm -hmm. encouraging people to get and stay current on their cancer screenings, guess what? I leave that group. I have no idea whether or not they've done it. Right. And then same same with when you do um, shows for churches and you bring in, you know, people who are not saved. You don't know. I have no idea. But you just trust that you know, those seeds are planted and that they're watered down the line. And if, and it doesn't matter that you get the accolades, right? You're just doing what you're called to do. You do it anyway. You speak the message and let the chips fall where they may. Right. Okay. Second, don't quit because you may just be days away from a tremendous breakthrough. Yeah. It's possible. All right. Don't quit because everything you do in love will count for all of eternity. Yeah. I love that one. I see that as an investment. You know, um, I was told many, many years ago that in the end, everything else falls away, right? Mm -hmm. Except for God, his word, and his people. That's it. That's right. So if you can invest in anything that has to do with God, his word, and his people, it's a worthwhile investment. That's exactly right, which Mm -hmm. is a great segue to this next one. Don't quit because faithfulness pleases God. It does. Absolutely. 
Also, number five, don't quit because quitting would undo all that you have worked for up to this point. Yeah, you know, when you think about it that way, that's really interesting because you endure, you sweat, you got the blood, sweat, and tears. Mm -hmm. And then as you referenced in the previous one, you're really doing this for an audience of one. And that's God. Mm -hmm. He's the one who put you here on this earth. Right. He gave you a purpose. He gifted you in ways to make you succeed. Right. That doesn't mean that um, that you don't have to practice. Right. And pay your dues. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Jordan what, it is arguably the best, mm-hmm. the GOAT, the whatever. That, you know, I didn't know what that meant before. I have. No, the I know. Me neither. <laughs> the greatest of all time. Yeah. Michael Jordan has proved himself on the basketball court. So he has certain athletic gifts and skills. He also has just a stick to to him, right? Yeah. And he had parents that encouraged him. But guess what? He couldn't just lay in bed all day and expect his gift yeah, to grow and mature. Right. You have to do the work. You do. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love this next one. Uh, don't quit because quitters are more filled with regret than those who persevere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know, to I got to I gotta tell you this, sorry, I keep on, you keep on um, <laughs> hitting things, hitting that- things that, so I had a job one time, I was working for my church and I kind of, I did not quit the job, but the job quit me, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. it was kind of one of these things where I was let go. Yeah. I wasn't fired, but the church just, they no longer had funds where they could keep me on, would have been like a luxury, you know, so yeah. they just had to cut and so they cut my position. And I I have vacillated back and forth between, oh, I wish I would have just quit before. Oh, before they had a chance yeah, to. Yeah, because I hung in there. I hung in there for a good almost two full years where it was tough. You mm-hmm. know, it, it was just rough. The church was going through some rough times. I was going through rough times. There was just issues. And I put myself through those things thinking that I would still have a job at the end of the day. But then I didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, he, what you just said is I would have never known if I had quit. I'm taking the reins and I'm saying I'm quitting. Right. Mm-hmm. But because I didn't quit and God fired me, <laughs> God laid me off. He, didn't, he moved you. He moved me. Yes. Thank you. <clears throat> then I don't have regret over that. Right. And what? I mean, I still see in you today the effect of that. Like it, it comes, it bubbles up in um, your your experience bubbles up and comes out in um, all kinds of ways. Sure, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So and it's good. It is good. It it's um. I was just having this conversation with one of my boys yesterday, just about adult life and how we learn more from our mistakes than we do from our you know our attaboys. Yeah. Really, we do. And and so yeah. while we wouldn't we wouldn't want to have made any mistakes, but I was explaining to to my son, you know, I said, your dad and I have made a lot of mistakes and we've tried to learn from them mm-hmm. and you will make mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. The good news is you can grow and mature and adjust, you yeah. know, just like we did. Yep. So don't, you know, try not to feel bad about it. Yeah. We adapt all the time. We do. As, as people. Uh, okay, so also number seven, don't quit because the world is still in need of the gospel and you are a vital part of the church. Yeah. So obviously this one pertains to the Christian, but I mean, we're Christians and um, we see the value in that. 
And I think that's super encouraging. Yeah. And, you know, church life is, I've described it like Mm. this. Sometimes it can be a real hemorrhoid. It can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It can be a real hemorrhoid. Why is that? Because the church is made up of people. You know, we have certain expectations of, well, if you're a Christian and if you're, you know, you've got these religious beliefs, you're going to have this piety. Yeah. Well, guess what? Yeah. Jesus came for the sinners. That's right. Scripture says that we've all sinned. Yes. Fallen short. So it's a hemorrhoid. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Don't quit because future generations of your family will reap from your obedience. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I love that. Don't quit because truth is worth the fight. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Don't quit because life is too short to retake divine tests. Mm. Right? Life is too short to to retake retake divine divine test. test. God's probably up there, you know, I'm going to have to do this again for you. (laughs) (laughs) Help me, Jesus. Yeah. And that was 10. That was 10 reasons. That's beautiful. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing all that. I appreciate it. Yeah, I liked that one. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go into famous people who didn't quit. Okay. Let's um, go. Do you have any that you want to share? I do. I, I have quite a few, but okay. I'll just do, I don't know who you're going to do. That's okay. Uh, we can have overlap. Okay. Doesn't matter. J.K. Rowling. Oh, yeah. I love her. Okay. Yes. Now, I'm not everyone may know this, so I'm just going to, it's a just a quick paragraph on a few of these take your time jk rowling had just gotten a divorce was on government aid which is on the dole in england and could barely afford to feed her baby in 1994 just three years before the first harry potter book harry potter and the philosopher's stone was published yeah unbelievable i know when she was shopping it out she was so poor she couldn't afford a computer or even the cost of photocopying the ninety thousand word novel so she manually typed out each version to send to publishers it was rejected dozens of times wow until finally bloomsbury a small london publisher gave it a second chance after the ceo's eight-year-old daughter fell in love with it wow yeah talk about just not quitting right yeah i mean jk rowling it doesn't say what her worth is today but um we know i mean there's amusement parks after novels and books and i mean look at the merchandise alone the movies and all the stuff good for her mm-hmm. uh stephen king yeah i forgot about his failures so i'll read this as well king was broke and struggling when he was first trying to write he lived in a trailer with his wife also a writer and they both worked multiple jobs to support their family while pursuing their craft they were so poor, they had to borrow clothes for their wedding. Hello. Wow. <laughs> borrow clothes for their wedding and had gotten rid of the telephone because it was too expensive. Wow. King received so many rejection letters for his works that he developed a system for collecting them. In his book, On Writing, which I've read, we both yeah. read, yeah. Uh, he recalls, by the time I was 14, the nail in my wall would no longer support the weight of the rejection slips impaled upon it. I replaced the nail with a spike and kept on writing. <laughs> he received 60 rejections before selling his first short story, The Glass Floor, for $35. Even his now best-selling book, Carrie, 
wasn't a hit at first. After dozens of rejections, he finally sold it for a meager advance to Doubleday Publishing, where the hardback sold only 13,000 copies. Not great. And then soon after, though, Signet Books signed on for the paperback rights for $400,000, and 200000 of which went to King. Success achieved. Good for him. Yeah. Um, Do you know that I reached out to him when I wrote my book? I remember. I, I wanted an endorsement from him because he was the prolific horror horror writer, uh-huh. you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, what could be more horror-ish than <laughs> raising five boys? That's awesome. I just thought it would be funny to have See, an, an endorsement from him. You're a trier. <clears throat> that's true. You're very, very um, daring. I don't even think that's I'm not afraid to ask. You're gritty. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not afraid to ask because the worst they can do is just say no. Yeah. So. Okay. This guy I'm going to skip over because I think this is who you might be doing. Okay. So I'm going to skip over. Um, They've got Shania Twain here, Emily Blunt. Okay. Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. Oprah dealt with a lot throughout her public life, criticism about all kinds of stuff. I won't go into all of that. Um, But her childhood and her personal triumphs are cast in an even more remarkable light. Growing up, Oprah was reportedly a victim of sexual abuse and was repeatedly molested by her cousin, an uncle, and a family friend. Later, she became pregnant and gave birth to a child at 14 Mm. who passed away just two weeks later. But Oprah persevered, going on to finish high school as an honor student earning a full scholarship to college and working her way through the ranks of television from a local network anchor in Nashville to an international superstar, as we all know, and creator of her own network. Good for her. Yeah. Now, I skipped over some people on this list, but I I wanted to look up some of the Shark Tank stars Yeah. because some of them really did have like lots of failures. Well, most successful people do. And one in particular that I picked because I knew that she had some struggles was Barbara Corcoran. Yeah. She had, she came from a family of, um, let's see, 11. She had nine, there were nine siblings and they lived in a two bedroom. That would be 10. (laughs) You you are bad at math. Wait, no. She had nine siblings. Plus her, that'd be 10. No, I mean, there were nine no, there were nine siblings. I know. And then her parents. That's oh, 11. Oh, 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 Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Nine siblings. And then the two parents. Okay. okay. She was a straight D student. Oh. She had dyslexia, which, you know, that was not diagnosed when she was younger. Yeah. She was labeled dumb. And she tried her whole life to prove that she's not stupid. Those are her own words. Mm. She would daydream because she couldn't learn, but she graduated from college and from there she was going to be a teacher. Uh, But then she was waitressing and she met her boyfriend, went into business with this boyfriend in real estate. I think she borrowed a thousand dollars from him and then they grew this business. But then one day he came home and he said that he was going to marry her secretary. And he said, "You'll, you'll never succeed without me. Well, Mm -hmm. that just, you know, fired her up. Yeah. Yeah. And so she became so successful that in in an old boys network of real estate, I mean, against men, and this is in the 70s, I'm pretty certain. 
and uh, she's the first business to sell real estate on the internet. I mean, she really overcame a lot. Even just just it being um, in that industry with men is something to overcome. Yeah. So I thought her story was worth mentioning in the not quitting thing. I mean, having some, being told you're stupid or feeling like you're stupid, having these, um, you know, disabilities like dyslexia and being really poor, those are a lot of things to overcome. And so I admire. It sounds like she used those things as fuel. Oh, you know, for sure. She says bec- that. Yeah. Because, the, you know, like you mentioned, if you have your why, mm-hmm. you can really project yourself forward mm-hmm. no matter what it is, whatever goal that you want to achieve. If you have a strong why mm-hmm. of why you want to do it. Yeah. You're going to make it. That's true. And yeah. speaking of, of why Robert Herjavec on the show, mm-hmm. he also has his why. I won't go into his whole story, but he he felt a real need to justify his dad's sacrifice so he he's the only one who's an actual immigrant on the show and uh his dad made a lot of sacrifices moving from the communistic country of croatia which was also yugoslavia back then mm-hmm. anyway it's it's a really neat story you can look it up on um youtube yeah and yeah. you know all these people they're not perfect there's nobody perfect no right but you, oh, right. you can be inspired by them i i definitely am yeah not that i'm gonna be what they are but it's inspiring it is it is uh anybody else well no you no it's okay these ones are not as now you mentioned emily blunt i'm curious about her okay what's her story because i love her i think she's great i barely know who she is Uh, she's married to john krasinski from the office and she's from england and she's an amazing actress i did know she was from england okay well it says here before blunt was getting nominated for golden globes and landing leading roles on the stage and big screen she could barely carry a conversation with her classmates between ages seven and 14 emily had a major stutter Uh, as she was as she told W Magazine, I was a smart kid. I had a lot to say, but I just couldn't say it. Mm. It would just haunt me. I never thought I'd be able to sit and talk to someone like I'm talking to you right now. But all that changed when one of her junior high teachers encouraged her to try out for the school play. A totally unappealing feat, given the fact that she had such a hard time communicating. Can you imagine? You stutter and you're being asked to good for her that she did it good for the teacher for recognizing yes but the teacher kept gently pressing and suggesting she try accents and character voices to help get the words out and it worked by the end of her teens blunt had overcome her stutter and went on to achieve the successful career she has now Good for her. That reminds me of the King's Speech. That's a good film. Yes, I love that film. Watch that film if you're looking for one. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to talk about Colonel Sanders. I knew it. I skipped over him. Colonel Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kentucky Fried Chicken, Mm -hmm. KFC. Everybody's heard of it. It's all over the world. Yeah, he has a good story. Okay. I I am obsessed with his whole story now. I'm going to go over these facts because these I did not know. He was born in 1890 in Henryville, Indiana. He was raised by an ultra-religious mother who taught him that alcohol, tobacco, playing cards, and coffee are bad. <laughs> oh, coffee too, huh? Yeah. Was he Mormon? <clears throat> I don't know. His mom married a guy who didn't like stepchildren. So at age 12, he was like put out. Wow. He was like, good luck. Make it in the world. Now, this was in 1902. Yikes. He worked on a farm. 
while going to school. And when that became too hard, he quit school in the seventh grade. Okay. Over the next three decades, so 30 years, Mm -hmm. he had become a streetcar conductor, a railroad fireman. He studied law by mail. He acted as a midwife. Wait, wait, back. He studied law by mail? By mail. Wow. Yeah. And he was a midwife? He was a midwife. Colonel Sanders 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 is here. (laughs) Get your mustache out of the way. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And he also operated a steamboat ferry. Now, most of these jobs, he he failed. He failed at most of these jobs. Uh At age 18, during this three-decade period of time, he got married. He had three children. He got fired by the railroad, and his wife left to go back to her parents in Alabama. Oh, my gosh. Get this. You did not know this about Colonel Sanders. When his wife left and went to Alabama, so he's, I don't know if he's still in Indiana or wherever he is, Mm -hmm. but she takes the kids. He planned and failed to kidnap his own children. Oh, my God. That's not in this article that, because it's just a brief. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then guess what happened? He reluctantly decided to reconcile with his wife. So when the kidnap failure came about, he's like, all right, well, let's just stay together. We'll just figure this out. Well, the couple divorced 40 years later. At age 40, Sanders started selling chicken out of a gas station. That's what I see here. Yeah. Yeah. And this in was 1930. in 1930. This was in Kentucky. Uh-huh. So now he's already been through how all many that. jobs. Wow. His stepdad rejected him. Mm. You know, all this stuff. Okay, it gets worse. Oh, my gosh. So now he's trying to sell chicken out of a gas station. Yeah. And he decides to paint giant billboards, but not to paint them like a billboard on the side of the highway, because at that time, this was back like in 1930, 1931, that era. Uh-huh. It was the Great Depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was like the bootleggers were running whiskey and all that <laughs> or moonshine. I don't know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Well, people were known to shoot at billboards from the highway. They would just shoot right. at them. So it was like target practice. So the billboards would be all shot up. Oh, no. To avoid having his billboard shot, he decided to paint his billboard on the side of barns. Because he figured people are not going to shoot at the barns because there's animals in there and such. Mm. And they're harder to get at. So he did that. Well, then he found this one big building that was a cement blank wall. Mm -hmm. And he pictured that as a canvas for his chicken ad. He put his chicken ad up there. Well, there was this guy who ran a gas station down the street, and his name was Matt Stewart. Uh-huh. Well, Matt didn't like that old Colonel Sanders was up there getting all the chicken business. Uh-huh. So he would go to the to the painted sign, and he would paint over it. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah, and he painted over it with this stuff that was really hard to undo. Okay. You know? Okay. So anyway... Uh, Colonel Sanders and a couple of his managers now, because he's seeing some success. He's having some success. Yeah. Two of his managers and Colonel Sanders, they go to talk it out with this Matt really? guy. And guess what? Um, there's gunfire exchanged. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Matt happened to be armed. Okay. You know? Well, Colonel Sanders also had a weapon, and Matt ends up dead. He's dead. He's gone. Did our Colonel Sanders well shoot him? <laughs> he did. Good old fashioned he shot shoot him. him. He shot him, but he was he was not accused of murder because it, they it said it was self defense. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So he did not go to jail or anything like that. Now, um, Stewart. Let's see. Oh, okay. No, Stewart was shot. 
Hold on. I'm getting it wrong. I'm sorry. Back it up. Back it up. Stewart shot one of Colonel Sanders' managers dead. Okay. So he's the one who was dead at the scene. Oh, Was okay. one of the, the man- other managers. Okay. Colonel Sanders returned fire shooting um, Stewart in the shoulder. Okay. So he did not kill him. He didn't kill him. But and now that- Stewart is now being tried for murder. Okay. Because he shot the manager. Mm-hmm. All and over he, the chicken signs. And he drew first blood. Whatever. I don't know how they figured it all out. But it says here that while waiting appeal, he was waiting on appeal in July of 1933. Stewart was out of prison waiting for an appeal. I don't know how you are accused of murder and you're out of yeah. prison waiting for an appeal. Well, he was shot and killed by a deputy sheriff. Oh. And there was no other details about like all what happened with that. It just said that he was shot before, you know, and he's dead. So that left Colonel Sanders, the sole chicken guy in Kentucky. And he had that recipe, you know, that uh, secret recipe, herbs and spices and all of that. Hmm. Uh, by the way, when he was only age 15 or 16, he lied so that he could become a part of the army. Oh, my God. Well, remember, his, his stepdad had rejected him. So he was just looking for a place to belong. Yeah. You know, right. Okay, so all that happened. Um, he received an honorary colonel distinct, you know, what do they call that? Distinction. Okay. He received that by the governor of Kentucky in 1935 and also in 1949. So he did not earn that rank in the military or mm-hmm. anything like that. It was just he was called colonel, kind of like being knighted by the queen okay. or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also um, called colonel. In that way, in like a respectful way, was Muhammad Ali and Bob Barker. I just thought oh, that was interesting. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, the chicken, the famous chicken, mm-hmm. was not on the menu in early on when he first started selling food out of the gas station. Yeah. The chicken was too hard. It took too long to make. Oh. Because it was like a 30-minute process. Okay. The turning point came when they discovered um, a pressure cooker fryer. Oh, yeah. That's kind of mentioned here. <clears throat> yeah. At so, the roadside shell station. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he had the, that pressure cooker really change things. Well, then when the big interstate came through yeah. and they rerouted the traffic, mm-hmm. they rerouted it to the interstate. Well, then his business was floundering again. Yeah, I read that. Okay, so this guy has gone through hell and back. Yeah. Right? I he, mean, there's murder, lies, deceit, all rejection, kinds of stuff. all of it. Now, we're now we're into the age where he's getting to be retired. Okay. He's he's retirement age and he's receiving his social security check, which is like $105 a month, something yeah. like that. He's almost broke. Yeah. And he's the only thing he has are his name, his chicken recipe. This hundred bucks a month from the government. Oh man! Listen to this. So now it's 1963. He he ends up with having over 600 restaurants in the U.S. and Canada, and by 1964 he sold his franchise to investors for two million dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, which was big money, and they told him that he could stay on in an advisory role. Mm-hmm. You know, so they they increased the ad budget. Um, just a whole bunch of stuff. Like here's an example. In 1964, like when he, when he sold it, they sold uh, 0.5 million, so half a million in ads, oh half a million gosh. dollars in ads. But in 1970, just a few years later, 24 million dollars in ads. Wow. That'll take you from zero to 60, you know, mm-hmm. quick. The white suit, 
Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And the look, uh-huh. like that whole thing. His branding. The, the brand that bought him, the conglomerate or whatever that bought him, they mm-hmm. liked that idea. They liked the authentic feel mm-hmm. of having a living legend kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so the white suit was huge for 20 years. Um, now they can sell for $80,000 at auction. Wow. Yeah. He used to bleach his facial hair to make it white to match his oh, naturally white gosh. hair. Uh-huh. He traveled 200,000 miles a year making appearances. No kidding. But here's something I didn't know as well. He hated some of the changes that they made to his gravy. So the gravy that he made was, Uh you know, it was stupendous. And he called his, the gravy that they made, because they they changed it so it would be easier for franchises to get it all right. Mm -hmm. He called it, and I quote, pure wallpaper. (laughs) It was pure wallpaper paste. Wallpaper paste. That was it. Pure wallpaper paste. And he was so harsh at his comments about the gravy Uh that they sued him. Oh, no kidding. They sued him. And the lawsuit was thrown out, but then they sued him again. And they ended up settling where he had to pay like a million dollars. Well, in 1970, Colonel Sanders, now by this time he's in his 80s. So this guy has been through how many things from the time he was born, Mm -hmm. right? He... um, He's married again to, because, uh, you know, the one lady that <laughs> it just didn't work out. Yeah. Where he tried to kidnap his own She kids. chickened out. She did. She's <laughs> like, I'm done with you. Well, this Claudia, who was his mistress but became his wife, they decided in, ni- in the 70s that they were going to open a competitor for K- Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh. So he was going to compete against oh. his own, oh like what gosh. he built. Yeah. And they called it Claudia Sanders, the Colonel's Lady Dinner House. Mm, I don't too think, long. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they had an advisor on the name. Yeah. They tried to expand. They were sued by KFC for $121 million Yikes. because they were competing. Mm-hmm. And they settled out, you know, they settled out of court. Sanders sold the restaurant. And that Claudia Sanders Dinner House still exists today. It's in Louisville, really? Kentucky. Oh, wow. Cool. We'll have to go there. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think, you know, it's not all good. It's not all good because it's never good to kidnap your children or to, you know, (laughs) kill somebody. (laughs) No kidding. I see you um, rabbit trailed like I did. Like I was on this Shark Tank thing and I'm like, oh, every single one of them. I looked into their, you know, their stories. You know, back to Colonel Sanders, though, I was looking at this. And it says, I don't know when this was. Oh, it says, worried about how he was going to survive off his meager 105 monthly pension check. He set out to find restaurants who would franchise his secret recipe, like you had said. And it says he wanted a nickel for each piece of chicken sold. Right. That was the agreement. Oh, the my franchise gosh. agreement. And he drove around sleeping in his car and was rejected more than a thousand times before finally finding his first partner. Yeah. Holy moly. That's perseverance. Yeah. I I think that that's just in the DNA and in the wiring. You know, there are people that just like quit is not in them. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that too. I watched some stuff about um, uh, who's the rocket guy? Starlink. Oh, um, uh, oh my goodness. Elon Musk? Yes. Elon Musk. Sorry. His name just escaped me. When he started that rocket company. Yeah. I mean, that was a big deal. Yeah. And many people tried to talk him out of it, Mm -hmm. how difficult it was. Yeah. There's a documentary out about what it took, Mm -hmm. right? It was a lot of failure. It was Was a lot of failure. And you had to just keep going. Well, and he seems the type to keep 
going. I saw some That's what he said. He said, there's no quitting me. I'm either dead or incapacitated. Mm. I'm not a quitter. It's amazing to me how we're all created, you know, so different. Yeah. I mean, there are people that are just wired that way. Yeah. Well, this has been fun yeah, and interesting, and I hope it's inspiring. inspiring. I do. Yeah. I I hope it's inspiring for everybody to, you know, I don't know, just don't quit, I guess. All right. Well, let's uh, let's cover our scriptures. We have Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus knew his why, Catherine. That's right. He sure did. Ready, set, go. He he knew his why. Yep. And he did not waver. So we can, we can hang on to that. Mm -hmm. Also Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There you go. Love That's it. inspiring. You know what I forgot to do? What? I forgot to mention when I was reading the 10, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. We'll oh, mention it I'll now. mention it now. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Uh, the call to action. Don't give up. <laughs> We're just, it's kind of obvious. Hey. And it's actually written here in our notes. Duh. Yeah. Don't give up. At least not today. All right. Well, this has been a little bit longer than normal. Yeah, it's over an hour. Yeah. Well, I hope that you all have enjoyed that hour. I hope of so too. Because this whole time I've had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Oops. Catherine's got to go. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm still comedian Tracy DeGraff. And I'm still Catherine. See you next time. Bye.